Hello and welcome to the Driven by Diversity podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Steph. And every week we shine the spotlight on underrepresented groups in the world of racing. Our guests share their journey into the sport and also delve into what diversity and inclusion means to them. We hope that we can provide you with real role models who you can relate to and who represent you. And more than that, that you'll feel inspired and encouraged to know that you can make it in motorsport, no matter your background. On paper, growing up around the streets of one of Formula One's most iconic circuits surely seemed like a fast-track ticket to a career in motorsport for this young Monegasque. But having focused on his studies and a career elsewhere, his life was turned upside down when he fell seriously ill with meningitis, which would see him in a coma with a year of rehabilitation. Thankfully, he was given a second chance at life, subsequently chasing his one true passion and setting up Motors Formula Team, for which he is now motorsport consultant, driver agent and business manager. His dual nationality background of French and Mauritian sees him a good fit to represent drivers across Africa and Europe, from Formula E to karting, with the hope of supporting talented races of colour to reach the very top. Join us as we catch up with... Ludovic Pezzi. For people that don't know, you're half French and half Mauritian, but you live in Monaco. So what was it like growing up around such an iconic racetrack? I think it's really something special (laughs) because uh, I could say like this before I was born. My dad was already in cars, you know, doing mechanics. Uh, in karting, Formula 3, Classic, and things like this. And then I used to to be at my grandmother's place, and she was living at this time uh, up to the paddock of Formula 1. So when I had to visit her in May, I, would, I was sure to see big team trucks, cars, drivers, and people. So when you're little kids, I remember I had photo on a balcony when I was on a little tricycle. With a Ferrari cap, <laughs> and you can see the the trucks of Formula One just in the background. Oh, that's great! And when you were a teenager, you actually did some work at the circuit during the Grand Prix, didn't you? Yeah, I, I was working in general admission service. So uh, normally, you suppose you know to to encounter spectators, to place them in, in grandstands and things like this. But I had the luck. To not doing this and be more involved because they placed me in the sector of the of the tunnel, oh, oh, wow. the Fairmont tunnel. So I was more uh, working with marshals, uh, firemen, and teams, people passing by and see checking the pass and things like this. So it was good for me because I was part of the only people that were able to stay in the tunnel when the car was uh, running. Oh, that's the best place, especially for the yeah. for the sound. <laughs> yeah, but one year, I think it was my last year, I think it was Massa, he has huge crash in the tunnel. And I seen like really like a movie, like all the spots flying like this in slow motion. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I need to run away, not to be <laughs> by something. And the year after, they put huge grill on, on this place because I think they saw the replay. And, and when I, the people asked me when, in which sector do you work? I was showing them, oh, you see this crash? This is where I was walking, exactly in this point. (laughs) So you grew up, obviously, very immersed in the motorsport culture. And so it's quite natural, I guess, that you're now working within the motorsport industry. But how did you actually 
move over into working there as opposed to just being a fan and being a resident who's living amongst all the madness? I would say it was not predestination or whatever because I was doing more uh, normal scholarship. Mm -hmm. I was studying like accountant and marketing management. And I was always passionate about sports, but never thinking about working really in sports and even more in motorsports because I was practicing a lot of sports and I was uh, coaching in football for so many years. But then one day when I'm in license, I felt sick. When I say I felt sick, I was really, I was very ill mm -hmm. and I get meningitis. So I was in coma for a few days, uh, intensive care, uh, in hospital for two weeks. I did my birthday even in intensive care. Okay. It was a mess. And when I woke, woke up, I realized that, okay, thanks God I'm still alive. I have second chance. What do I really want to do? And as I had a lot of time of rehabilitation, I start to think, okay, I have those skills, those skills, those skills. I know about these sports. I'm good at football, okay. I could be, from experience and what people say, manager on football. But I've seen a lot of people already doing this job. And motorsports. And I was like, okay, these things. Is there is motion people involved in it? Doing this kind of project? Yes, no, no. Okay, what I could do, like, with my little means and little experience, with no contacts because I'm not coming from this world, even if I was born in Monaco. And from that, I start little by little. And I asked my dad, okay, what do you think it's... I start to work in motorsports. As fanatic, he was saying, oh, good, <laughs> it's cool. And I say, okay, let me try something. I'm going to rent a Formula 4 car, find a driver, rent everything, and try to organize me and see if I can manage it on a test day. And it started from that. That's fascinating, actually, but a sad way, I guess, that you came into motorsport, but it's worked out in the end. So could you tell us a bit more about some of the things that you're actually working on in the industry right now and the different roles that you have? Because I'm pretty sure that you cover quite a few different roles. Yeah, I'm like working with guys like Pascal Verlaine, that's Formula E. I'm trying really with him to collaborate more about Mauritius and see what we can do as projects and what we can launch about sustainability, mobility and things related to Formula E and also build awareness about motorsport there. I'm working also with guys in France and Monaco, like one gentleman from Monaco that did the Monaco History Grand Prix in Formula One. So I work with him since uh, two years now. Working with Andrea Pizzitola, who is ELMS champion. So I'm trying to help him to, to stay in the business because now it's not easy with coronavirus and all this crazy bu budget asking from teams. And for finishing, trying to find young talents. So I'm working more, I'm more focused about talents in Africa. So I'm working since a few years now with South African people, with a structure there that for training and form young cartmen until they can go to, to cars. So I would say I'm really between a pure manager, also coach and advisor. And I think it's coming from my experience that I had in football that's you have the period you're training the players and then you have the match period and you already coach and giving them some order and tactics 
Fantastic. So it sounds like you you wear a lot of different hats, you yeah. know, in your with, within your own business. So Motors Formula Team, you're your race uh, race driver advisor, consultant, team manager, and all of those bits in between. Uh, what would you say has been your biggest challenge as uh, the founder of your own motorsport team? Oh, when you're starting, I would say. It's not only motorsport team, but more about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard at the beginning to start from zero uh, with no funds. You, you know, you try to make the normal path of every entrepreneur, going to see the bank, going to see people, tell them about the project. And it's not easy. So you need always to try to find a way to keep going forward. So I think that was the, the most difficult thing for, for me. And then until one million Mauritius seen what I did and asked me when I was in Mauritius with my family, oh, it's interesting what you did. We want to go to meet you and make you an interview. And from that, I think the power of media really helped me to be a bit more known in the island. and. Mm. People seen that what I was doing was not like uh, driving around a, a parking or you know, <laughs> doing street street racing, but really professional way with single seaters cars. So from that, it started to help. Great. So in terms of Mauritius, obviously we've been talking about that quite a lot because obviously you you are half Mauritian mm-hmm. and you are focusing very much on African drivers. What's the motorsport culture like there? Is is the take up of motorsport well received? Hmm, what could I say? I think in Mauritius we have a lot of car passionate. Like we have 1.2 million inhabitants mm-hmm. and there is like almost the half of cars in the island. So people are used to doing rallies, uh, drift, slalom things. But one of my friends who is champion of rally and drift and even his dad and granddad were onto this. So I think it's for, for a long time in the culture, but they really don't have the chance to go on the circuit way. They were always doing more about rally and things mm-hmm. like on the roads. So this is the only part I think this is missing in the island because they same with bikes. But in bikes, I think it's easier. They can go race in South Africa in Renew Island. And one of my friends uh, was champion in Mauritius in bikes. And then he finished into... Uh, super stock in Great Britain, made some podium and wins, and he managed to go into Moto CEV in Spain and made podium there too. So I think it bikes a bit uh, easier, but uh, for motorsports, I think there's a lot of work to do to, to have really proper infrastructure regarding racetrack, even if people in, are interested and really want to push for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's definitely something that we will touch on in the latter half of this conversation, mm-hmm. obviously, when we go on to talk about diversity. But for now, going back to um, Motors Formula Team, your team, um, what has been your proudest achievement or your greatest achievement and your personal highlight so far? Oh, I think I would say the first day, for sure, because when you put the car on track, you put the stickers on, your, on the cars, and everything happened well, like in a dream, you are doing, your driver is doing the best lap record, fastest lap record. And it was funny because after that, uh, people went 
to see my dad and say, oh, congratulations, you made the best time. And my dad was, no, it's not me. I was just to check out what my son is doing. Go congratulate him. I was like, okay. <laughs> it was good. And the second one definitely is the Monaco History Grand Prix because for being born in Monaco, I never think that one day I could be part of it myself yeah. and take part of the race with MFT. And it was by purely hazard. One of the, the drivers contacts one of my friends and says, I'm looking for someone to help me to organize my participation. And I need to be focused only on the race. So I need really someone need to know how to manage the all things, administrative tasks and everything regarding the race. And when we meet up, it was matching directly and, and we start to work together. And it was good. Donny, I would say, negative points, deception was, yeah, we were starting 17. We climbed up into the eighth position. It was under the rain. But unfortunately, someone hit us oh, in the car. My. We get spin and puncture. And we finished 16, so we were angry because oh. I was like, what's the dream? And when it us, I said, now it's done. We cannot uh, finish the race, but my, my driver managed to go back to the pit lane and for, think that it's like classic race. Mm. So you don't have the, yeah. the guns that we see in normal Formula 1. You are with the crew <laughs> trying to pull out the, the It's a lot more hard work. <laughs> yeah. But he managed to go back to the race and, and finish it. So it was a nice one. That's good. Yeah. At least you had a bit of redemption there. What advice would you give to people who might want to follow in your footsteps? Because you've done quite something quite impressive here. And there might be other people watching and thinking, oh, I want to, I want to follow the path that he's taken. What would you say to them? Oh, I would encourage them to, to start. But I would say... Learn a lot about motorsports, uh, you know, specification, maybe language and the specificities about motorsport uh, and try to learn as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes mistake that I did, I thought I was ready and I was not ready. I was, mm -hmm. was ready at 50% and not 100. So I try every time to be ready more as I can because you know that there will be always, always part of improvisation yeah so when you are ready when this part of improvisation is coming you know how to handle it and it will be easier and less stress i feel like there's always going to be more to learn whatever career you're going in so i think like you said get as much basis as you can but just be prepared for a few knockbacks on the way and a few curveballs i guess do you find that given your experience setting up a team rooted in Africa, do you find that there's more barriers in Africa and other underrepresented groups? And is that part of the reason why you've wanted to set up the team? Yeah, because when I started MFC, you know, I was not um, dreaming big. I was okay, there's nothing in Mauritius. I will start little by little with Mauritius. But then people in South Africa start to contact me and talk to me. And the other countries, I was like, okay, I'm just a young man. I don't have this, those big means and these millions to build real infrastructure and, and things. I thought there would be someone trying to do this before me because I, I'm still young and I was very young at this time. But nobody tried it. So I said, okay, let's find a way. Because as you said, I'm, 
half French, half Mauritian. So I think I have both culture and could be matching with both continents. And maybe it would be easier to to join the, the each side and make something happen out of this. But yes, it's not. It was not easy, and still people are thinking like. I don't know if because of media fault, but that Africans just only people are dying of, of anger and mm. no money and nothing. Yeah, it's and a really but... incorrect assumption there that people seem yeah. to still believe for some reason. Yeah, but when I show them people in South Africa doing karting, they have the same chassis that's in Europe and same equipment. They say, oh, I didn't know that they have this and they are doing this. So they start to understand that, yeah, there's something uh, behind and people are developing themselves. Do you think that that's one of the big barriers to entry, the misconceptions from other people? Or do you think there's other things that are more important that are holding people back? Oh, I, I think there's this part could be a main and also lack of budget, lack of funds, because there are a lot of people that are passionate, want to start. But as I was saying, even in karting, even here, you want to go kart, you're going to spend like 50 euros for half an hour. Yeah. Just for laser kart, not even competition kart or, or having a proper, a proper courses with a driver to learn you how to drive. So I, we were talking about this and try to, to find solution. And one of the solution was sim racing because you can buy your PlayStation or Xbox, whatever, or PC and you go, you, you try to configure your rig, your your thing. And the good thing with sim racing, okay, there's really expensive equipment, but people, I, I will take you the example again about Mauritius and South Africa. They are really manual people. So they went with their materials and do their own rigs. So the only things that they had to buy was the steering wheel, pedals, and even sometimes notes. They was really good. So they save money and they were able to do sim racing properly and, and race against the top guys in sim racing world. Yeah, that definitely, talking about esports and sim racing, that definitely does open up the accessibility to motorsport. Um, and, and you are the sim racing manager at, at Monaco Esports Federation as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah in fact, was funny thing. Uh, I was going to think during the lockdown what I could do because no race, no activities, nothing. And then I said, okay, I'm switching on my PlayStation. I will put Gran Turismo just to have a nice moment. And then as my brain, as my brain never stopped, start to think about this game. Maybe there's something to do. Sim racing was already existing, but not really in Monaco. And then one of my friends said, oh, Ludo, you know what? I have, uh, I'm the president, vice president of Monaco Esports Federation. We are already organizing tournaments in normal games. But as Monaco is a motorsport place, do you think we can make um, some racing events? And then I say, okay, I think yes, for sure. There's a lot of drivers living in Monaco. So let me see. And then I start to put the list of the contact I start to have uh, of the drivers, my drivers, and people that could be willing to take part of it. And it finished with a list of a lot of drivers, like guys that won Le Mans, won 24 Hours of Spa, won Nürburgring, uh, Leclerc Brothers, and it was crazy stuff. <laughs> I was like not realizing when I, we were on Discord, and then Charles was talking to me. I was like, Should, am I dreaming? Like I'm talking <laughs> to Charles Leclerc. 
And, and the guy asking me to advise for this, I was like, what? <laughs> so it was really cool and, and great uh, event. So now we are looking maybe to do uh, another one before the end of the year. I'm not sure if I will still be part of the federation, not because I don't want, but I have so much to do. And I think it's better to give them, advise them, trying to help, but not taking a big words because big words means big responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So I'm still in talk with them and see what's going to happen for, for the next month. That sounds super fun and definitely a, um, something cool to be part of, um, especially turning sort of the adversity of the pandemic into something positive as well. And going back to the accessibility part of it, just showing people that who may not have an interest in motorsport specifically, but an interest in gaming, that there's an avenue to explore there. Going back to what we discussed in terms of barriers to entry and also going back to what you talked about earlier in the conversation where you said you never actually imagined working in motorsport and it came to mm -hmm. you unfortunately via an illness um, or following illness why was it that you never imagined yourself working in the sport was that due to sort of your background as half Mauritian or as you've said before in previous interviews coming from a modest family that you didn't feel that you could access the top levels of motorsport yeah, I think it's that because, you know, I was thinking when I was young about doing karting, trying to things, but then I see my family struggling. So I say, okay, driving, it's complicating. I was watching a lot of races and then I was more, start to be more and more interested about uh, team manager, team principal, uh, trying to learn more about guys like Ron Dennis and, and then in, in the years after, guys like Andres Seder, Franz Zinger, guys that really taking project from scratch and make it winning project. And then I said, okay, I didn't make a specific studies for aerodynamists or strategists or engineers because it cost a lot. And with school at the beginning, was not I was not really fan of school. <laughs> but then I realized that could be other opportunities to enter in motorsports. But I was not sure because everybody told you this, oh, motorsport, for, it's for rich people. And I was like, and I knew that by growing here in Monaco to access even to watch the Formula One in life, oh, mm. was a huge fight to find tickets at lower price, mm. find way to try to meet some drivers and things like this. So it was not easy, but I think I managed. And I think the only way to manage is to keep fighting. And, and try as much as you can yeah absolutely and I think that that's what a lot of people are realizing now as well and there's a lot of momentum behind that and people are trying to really drive the change in terms of the lack of diversity within motorsport and like you said the idea that it's a rich sport what do you think can be done to sort of challenge that and to open the door and give more opportunities of course you've been able to do it yourself but what other things could be done to open the door for other people Oh, it's a good question. <laughs> I think I would say like this. I think it's depending of people on the top of motorsports that really have this power and the means to change the things. Mm -hmm. Or people, I would say like this, like Lindsay, the founder of Driven by Diversity, that have experience of motorsports and that have a voice that people will listen about and heard and not taking from one year to another and bye-bye. <laughs> so 
I think this kind of people that really can change the thing. Maybe with people like me, that little people could help also in a way. But uh, I think there's need to be have some organization that try to collect funds to open maybe online courses, how to be driver manager, how to be engineer, strategist, and explain more about the roles, different roles in motorsport. Because for sure, no, not everybody can be driver. Yeah, absolutely. This is what I'm trying to, to tell to people that contact me. I say, I want to drive, I want to be a racing driver. And I say, guy, it's racing driver, but in motorsport, there's this amount of jobs that could be easier and that could finally maybe realize your dream in another way. Mm. Because you could be maybe not driver, but you can, if you're good enough, finally work in Formula One team. And... This is what happened to one of my friends, a French guy. He was at school and things, doing karting. He made all the path and now he's working in Formula One. And the funny stuff is that we started, let's say, he started his professional career more or less in the same time than me. So we were growing up in parallel. And this year, uh, in Barcelona test, uh, just before the COVID, uh, he was, because he's working for, for Renault engine, so he was delegated to McLaren. So he was with his McLaren stuff, and I was in the paddock with him, and we take pictures, say, finally, you are there. Aww. So I was really proud of Aww. him, and it was really cool. And I saw him, he's always trying to motivate me and push me, say, you do, don't give up. Maybe you know about Formula 1 is working, maybe you will not go there, but you can be successful as a manager and with your team in other categories like in endurance and things that is more accessible to, to people. Yeah, I think that's actually a really key point and something that's often forgotten. A lot of people, if they are initially interested in motorsport and they set their sights on a career in motorsport, a lot of the time it's like, oh, I want to be a driver. But as you say, there are so many other jobs and these jobs are jobs that you can do outside of motorsport as well. So, you know, HR or hospitality or marketing or um, any kind of role like that. Um, And there are so many, but there doesn't seem to be the information on those types of roles unless you are a fan of motorsport and know what goes on behind the scenes. It might not be obvious. And I think that's something that, that needs to sort of be looked into and as you say maybe do like courses on um the different roles available or just have that information accessible uh so that even if you aren't a fan of motorsport but are interested in a particular career then you can say oh wow that looks like a quite exciting environment to use my skills i already have in a job that i know i can do well and apply it in that context so yeah that's that's definitely something to consider Before we started recording this podcast, we were talking off air about the lack of federation in Mauritius. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that's quite an important topic to discuss, I think, because it might not be well known that it doesn't exist. And that in itself is a barrier to entry for Mauritians who want to get into motorsport as a driver. Can you explain to us what that's about? Yeah, because when I started motorsports, I said, okay, I know that in every country there is federation, automobile, automotive federation. So I was going to search about motion one. So I went to the web, FIA website, search about it. Then I find the names, the contacts, try to contact, no answer. It's okay. Try it, I try. I asked to one of my colleagues, say, as he was working in Formula One, do you have contact in FIA that I can 
ask if they are aware, but what about on motions that I'm trying to contact the guy to get my license? But there is no answer. It's like ghosting. And we tried, we tried, but it's still blocked. And I think it's sad. And this is one of, I think, could be out of the proper racing, one of my biggest achievements if I can take the lead of the Motions Federation just to help people, not because of business purpose, but just to help people that want to drive or, as we said, have a world in motorsport to be martial or whatever. You go, you apply, that's all. Like normal federation. But unfortunately, I still have no news. I'm still trying with FIA. I don't know what I need to do to make people being aware about it. Even people say, oh, you should try to find Lewis Hamilton and talk to him. That's in your country. You cannot race. You cannot do it. And yeah, it's not, it's not easy. And even me, as I say, I, I was mandatory to apply uh, to a French uh, license. It's okay. I'm half French, but I was a bit disappointed because I say, okay, I'm trying to, to boost uh, this African motorsport and Mauritius. Yeah. And finally, you see, I'm still get back to this uh, French federation. And it's not making a difference. And yeah. But that's so true because if there's no federation in Mauritius, then that means essentially you're unable to obtain a racing license and represent your country, represent Mauritius. So there will be no races to look up to for young Mauritian people to say, oh, look, you know, know, that person's representing my country. That does just doesn't exist and as you said you know people from Mauritius who have had to go to countries like South Africa to obtain their racing license to race and even guys like Pascal Verlein yeah. they would like to represent their country potentially but yeah, they can't exactly and uh, yeah exactly I can give you the case of Pascal because uh, as he's racing under German license everybody thinks that he's yeah. only German mm. they didn't knew and in fact I start to uh, it starts from this point. I was meeting very but pure hazard Pascal in Monaco and I was trying to approach him and then I, there was this moment she said, oh, you're Mauritian? I said, yes, I'm Mauritian and then we start to talk and she asked me, oh, do, what do you do? I explained her, I just started motorsport. I gave her my uh, business card and no news for one year, something like this. Then the, the year after, Short before Monaco, she called me and she said, oh, we are going back in Monaco if you want to meet Pascal. And then like this, we start to make create a relationship. And I said to Pascal, I say, you know, a lot of people consider you only as German. So I know that you also, you like both countries for sure, because you were born in Germany, your dad is German. And I know that you want to talk that you're also Mauritian. And then we discuss about that, which way we can show about Mauritius existing motorsport. That's why you started to see in his helmet little motion flags and things like this. And when I had access to his uh, manager, they were talking to me and say, oh, why no people in Mauritius talking about Pascal? They don't know him. I say, guy, simple. Read what is written, even Wikipedia, basically. Pascal Verlaine is German driver. So motion people could know it. And then it, they made their job and they said, okay, we are going to, to tell the people. And then even Formula E website, then now you can see and can read that Pascal Verlaine is half German and motion driver and the only motion personal yeah. driver. So, so it's really great. And I think that's also why we get support because people know that Mauritius in pro motorsports, there's only Pascal as driver and me's management, let's say, uh, background uh, backstage. 
so mm. they know that we are both trying to to push in this way to have more guys involved and it's good because as i was saying before with sim racing we can still see the potential of people there and, and we can measure really even if they are far from europe we can make them challenge people in europe in sim racing and see what is the level and if we have the chance in the future if we give them the opportunity to have infrastructure and go-karts courses and things like this that they could really do great things well i hope that you are able to make progress with that because like steph said it's a massive massive barrier and it'd be quite interesting to actually find out if that's an issue in other parts of the world as well that we may not know about because the fact that we don't have the representation we'll have to um maybe look into that a bit further but to round things off a little bit, what would you say is the the one key key thing that you want to achieve in terms of pushing diversity aside from what we've just mentioned, but you know, on on the track specifically, what's the one thing that you've got you've got your eyes on? On the track itself, I really my I would say what I want to achieve. And one of the things is to be the first African team to participate twenty four hours of Le Mans. Because Ooh, yeah. it never happened. I, I was watching Le Mans and every year I was like, oh, maybe this year there will be one guy from Africa, one team and thing. Always, always. Then no. Okay, so, okay, it would happen because people, I knew that people that are driving, they have money, they could do it by their own, but I never seen it. And then I said, okay, I'm trying to find a way. This is my main goal now. I say I want to be in 24 hours of Le Mans with driver, if I can have one or two drivers from Africa, uh, also mixing staff with guys from Europe that have experience and guys from all around the world and black people or whatever they are coming from, just to promote diversity in motorsport and try to be to win big races. And as I said before, I already did Monaco. So if I'm doing Le Mans, then from having my kind of triple crown i need to go to indy 500 <laughs> so as i was thinking about that i said okay we need to go to le mans even if we're doing one lap i will have to we, i will done le mans i will be done with le mans and then try to find a way to enter this and i think for me i reach more than expected and it will be great amazing my fingers are crossed for you <laughs> that would be incredible yeah, <laughs> thank you. I think also one point is entering in this, you know, all electric technology things like Formula E and all the things that Alejandro Agag is doing because I think it's great. I'm really passionate about Formula E and technology. And I was surprised because two years ago, I received a mail from Jaguar Formula E and they invite me to Berlin. And I thought it was a joke or spam at the beginning when I received the message. Sorry, you make a mistake. Uh, you send me an invitation for Formula E for free to going to your team and leaving the day from the inside, the, from inside the <laughs> team. And it's not for me. Then they say, yes, yes, we were following you. You are doing well. And we, aren't, you, we really want to invite you and to see, to discuss with you and to show you how it's working from inside from behind the scene. I was oh, it's a joke. And then I, I called them, I asked them, and they said, yeah, oh, it's not a joke, it's for real. So I went there, and it was really amazing. And the crazy thing that happened to me was I met uh, the boss of Jaguar Formula team, 
And when the PR introduced me to him, he said, oh, I know who is this guy. This guy is Ludovic. And I changed my face like I was like, <laughs> what? The guy is the boss of Jaguar Formula. He knows my, oh. know my name. He knows my name. He knows what I'm doing. I was like, I don't know what to say. Wow. I was like, okay, well, now we are talking serious. And since that, uh, I'm still in contact with them. And yeah, it was not easy because I tried to join uh, IPC Trophy and also try to, you know, reach these things. I always get proposal to join Extreme E. It's the same about the budget. When I see Larry Centering in this, I was like, no, I wanted to join and people already proposed Mm -hmm. me. But I say, where can I find this money? It's yeah. impossible for me like find this amount of money even if the biggest win in the world. It's mm. you, yeah. I need to have guys here that have sponsored that interesting with this, as we were mm. saying, promote diversity in motorsports, or maybe guys with, like Lewis that's really pushing out this time on this project that let's say I have a chance to talk with and maybe see what happened. But oh, it's really not easy. Even to entering in GT4 racing. I said, okay, GT4 now is, let's say, basic of racing. It's cheaper way of racing and you get good exposure of this. But for this, for dealing with sponsor, talking until the last minute, there's always stress. Something mm. can change. And yeah, it's really complicated. But in the other way, yeah, it's really, I can tell you, I can also advise people before going this way, really think because it's, for me, it's still struggle. I'm not a people that's giving up, you know, from what I get from this illness. I'm really a fighter, I could say. But uh, it's not easy and it's really to think twice when you're starting from zero because uh, sometimes you, get, you can get crazy because you think, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, it's not working, I'm trying, it's not working. But I keep up this faith because I say, oh, with COVID now, I, it was my first thought. I say, oh, with COVID, okay, now we shut down, it's finished. And what's the opposite? As I told with sim racing, I get opportunities, people with Black Lives Matter and everything happened, uh, start to to talk about this, about motorsport driver, driven, driven by diversity. And when people in Monaco, one of uh, my girl's friends, Friends say, oh, we are looking of people of color working motorsport and that. And they say, oh, we know Ludo, go meet him. And mm. they start to go in, in this way now. So let's see what will happen. And yeah, but I'm, st- I'm still positive and let's see what will happen. <laughs> That's all I can say. What an interesting story of how Ludovic came to be in the world of motorsport. As he mentioned, it was through adversity and his meningitis that he found his calling. And now he's doing such amazing work, driven by his passion to promote drivers with links to Africa. Setting up MFT really shows Ludovic's entrepreneurial side, as well as his perseverance and drive to learn and build this project, even though no one had done exactly the same before him. It really surprised me that there is no motorsport governing body in Mauritius, but it's great that Ludovic feels that he needs to take some responsibility to try and make a change here. Yeah, really great to see, and I hope that his efforts pay off and he's able to raise the profile of Mauritius and help represent all those individuals out there who are interested in motorsport. 
Well, the future looks bright for Ludovic and Motors Formula team. Just last week, he signed promising F4 driver Noah Andy and was also appointed the sim racing manager for the Monaco Esport Federation, which was recognised by the government and Prince Albert. It's also really cool to see him getting approached for huge opportunities like Extreme E, as mentioned at the end of our conversation. If you want to check out the awesome stuff MFT is involved in, you'll find them on Instagram at MFT Racing, and you can also catch Ludo on there too at Ludovic PZ. Don't forget to give us a follow as well on Insta at We Are Driven by Diversity. Get subscribing and make sure to leave a review. Tune in next week for another episode. Thank you.